Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Spirituality and Magic Podcast. I am your host, once again, Hunter Salazar. And today we're actually going to do a shorter episode, and this is going to be an episode reading from the book The Upanishads, Breath of the Eternal, The Wisdom of Hindu Mystics. I'll put, a, uh, I'll put the front of the book on the uh, thumbnail, and this is a translation that's actually by Swami Pravadananda and Frederick Manchester. So there's there's other interpretations, there's other uh, translations, but uh, this one is actually uh, it's pretty good. And I just want to say first and foremost, the Upanishads, they're more of a Bible to me in Hinduism than the Bhagavad Gita. The Upanishads are remarkable. I usually think of all things as one and soul being behind everything and the source of everything. And that really puts uh, the Upanishads in a nutshell. So Brahman is soul, sometimes translated as spirit, behind everything, in everything, the cause and the end of everything. So uh, we're gonna actually going to go ahead and go to a particular Upanishad uh, because this one just kind of uh, popped out at me just now. Uh, it's uh, Isha, I-S-H-A, and this is page 19 of... Uh, you know, the Signet Classics, Breath of the Eternal, the Upanishads, the Wisdom of the Hindu Mystics version of the Upanishads. At any rate, let's go ahead and get started with the verse, and then it goes into uh, more of the story element. Filled with Brahman are the things we see. Filled with Brahman are the things we see not. From out of Brahman floweth all that is. From Brahman, all, yes, is he still the same? Om. Peace. 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 In the heart of all things, of whatever there is in the universe, dwells the Lord. He alone is the reality. Wherefore, renouncing vain appearances, rejoice in him. Covet no man's wealth. Well may he be content to live a hundred years, who acts with attachment, who works his work with earnestness, but without desire, not yearning for its fruits, he and he alone. Worlds there are without suns, covered with darkness. To these after death go the ignorant, slayers of the self. The self is one, unmoving, it moves swifter than thought. The senses do not overtake it, for always it goes before. Remaining still, it outstrips all that run. Without the self, there is no life. To the ignorant, the self appears to move, yet it moves not. From the ignorant, it is far distant, yet it is near. It is within, it is within all, and it is without all. He who sees all beings in the self, and the self in all beings, hates none. To the illumined soul, the self is all. For him who sees everywhere oneness, how can there be delusion or grief? Let's turn the page here. The self is everywhere, bright as he, bodiless, without scar of imperfection, without bone, without flesh, pure, untouched by evil, 
the seer, the thinker, the one who is above all, the self-existent. He it is that has established perfect order among objects and beings from beginningless time. To darkness are they doomed who devote themselves only to life in the world, and to a greater darkness they who devote themselves only to meditation. Life in the world alone leads to one result. Meditation alone leads to another. So have we heard from the wise, they who devote themselves both to life in the world and to meditation by life in the world overcome death and by meditation achieve immortality. To darkness are they doomed who worship only the body and to greater darkness they who worship only the spirit. Worship Worship of the body alone leads to one result. Worship of the Spirit leads to another. So have we heard from the wise, they who worship both the body and the Spirit, by the body overcome death, and by the Spirit achieve immortality. The face of truth is hidden by thy golden orb, O sun, that do thou remove, in order that I who am devoted to truth may behold its glory. And there's a little note here. There's a little one of those little crosses that sig- uh, signifies that there's a note on the bottom. In the Scrant, in the Sanskrit, this verse and the five preceding are exceedingly obscure. Commentators explain them variously and not very clearly. In this verse, the sun symbolizes the self or Brahman, as is usual in the Vedas. The golden orb, like the rays of the light of the following verse, is Maya, the world of appearance. I can see why it would be confusing to a lot of people, for sure. At any rate, let's continue. O nourisher, only seer, controller of all, O illuminating sun, fountain of life for all creatures, withhold thy light, gather together thy rays. May I behold, through thy grace, thy most beloved form. The being that dwells therein, even that being, am I. Let my life now merge in the all-pervading life. Ashes are my body's end, O O mind. Remember, Brahman. O mind, remember thy past deeds. Remember, Brahman. Remember thy past deeds. O God, Agni, lead us to felicity. Thou knowest all our deeds. Preserve us from the deceitful attraction of sin. To thee we offer our salutations again and yet again. An asterisk. This verse and the preceding constitute a prayer uttered at the moment of death. Even today they are employed by the Hindus in their funeral, funeral rites. The mind is extorted to remember its past deeds because... It is these deeds that accompany the departing soul and determine the nature of its next incarnation. Since cremation involves fire, it is natural that it should be presided over by the god of fire, Agni. It's actually also the god of digestion, for instance. The god is here invoked both in his own character and as a symbol of Brahman. 
All right, before I go into a little bit talking about this Upanishad and others, let me go ahead and uh, put in a word from our sponsor. And we are back, everyone. So let's take a closer look at this Upanishad because uh, there's some stuff here that I would like to provide commentary to if uh, you would be so patient and appreciating it. So we're on Isha. This is actually a very um, short Upanishad compared to some of the others. It's about, uh, you know, two pages. And this book is about, you know, two and a half. So Isha... Let's go ahead and go over some of the lines. In the heart of all things, of whatever there is in the universe, dwells the Lord. So basically, the whole universe, there's, the curtain is the material. And if we should look, it's not with our eyes that we look. It's with, it's with our heart. It's with our, our deeper feeling. It's not through the senses. It's, it's, it's the feeling we have to strengthen when we start to follow a spiritual path. That feeling that has no that has no sensory equal. It's pure insight. And it's hard to describe that feeling. That I guess you could say a sixth sense, but I think there's more than six. Um, but once you start f- attuning yourself to a particular path, to a particular idea, to a particular understanding of soul, just like, you know, these Upanishads are a particular understanding of soul, Brahman, um, you know, the grander soul, you have to attune yourself to that knowledge. You have to become, in a sense, that knowledge, at least to a certain degree, in order to feel where it exists in the material universe. And in this case, it's more about level of attunement than particular attunement, because the higher level of attunement you have to Brahman, then the more you'll realize that it's behind everything. So let's go ahead and go forward and uh, let's see what other lines we have here that kind of like pop out. Uh, The self is one, unmoving. It moves swifter than thought. The senses do not overtake it. For always it goes before. Remaining still, it outstrips all that run. Without the self, there is no life. So when it says the self is, you know, it's unmoving, it moves swifter. Basically, it's beyond time. Um... It does not move because it does not need to move through space because it is beyond both space and time. It is swifter because it already exists where anything moves from something else is trying to go. Without the self, there is no life. So without a reality beyond time, there is no life because without that, not only would life not exist, but there would be no in result, no, no crib, no place to go, no place to come from. But the self, the grander self, Brahman, lies in a place that creates and takes back everything that, uh, that is material. I mean, you know, ultimately, ultimately, it's an illusion that anything is separate, but it is the self and Brahman is most certainly the the producer and the consumer of all things. And it's not that we it's not that it consumes us in the sense that it destroys us. It consumes us in the sense that it's like a child it's like every soul is a child coming home. And that house, once we're back with our family, consumes <laughs> it's a hard way to put it, but consumes the children that come back to it. 
back to the happy home. And when we talk about Brahman, we can even say, we could say the source or God even. Um, my general understanding is that it's not about like we sit beside God in a city that we understand. It's not something that is familiar to us as we exist in the material world. It's a complete and utter merging of energy. So let's go ahead and um, let's go ahead and go forward here. To the ignorant, the self appears to move. That makes sense because if you're ignorant of the self, then it feels like it feels like your your goals are moving because you're pursuing something that that is bound by time, bound by space. If you're an ignorant person. Um, and you create in your own mind, like, so it's basically placing the self and things that are not the self. So a lot of people, what they crave, let's just say they, they crave sex. Um, they are putting the, the craving that should be for the self into sex. So they are placing, they are placing their desire and what they think is the goal. The goal is in, let's just say a woman. Um, it can be a man whatever. And let's just say that the only desire that you have is to pursue this person to have sex with them. It's not about, you know, uh, twin flame or joining or being married or anything like that. You're making the self into the sex act. And the sex act is in a particular time that you are trying to make happen and pursuing. So if that is indeed the case, then, uh, Space, events, time, and pursuance become what you are involved in. Not the reality behind, but not the canvas behind everything that you're doing. It's always the surface that you're focusing on. Not the inherent nature that is behind the surface of all these things. So let's move forward. So, to the illumined soul, the self is all. For him who sees everywhere, everywhere oneness, how can there be delusion or grief? That's right. Uh, we might lose somebody and be sad about it, but if you realize that they're, they're not gone, they're just in a different part of everything that is one, then it's a little bit harder to mourn. Though I know we get attached to forms, so I'm not... I'm not uh, putting down anybody who wants to mourn for a loved one. Um, or maybe grief for losing something that we really loved in this world, like a really good job or like a, maybe even our house, our home, a land. Um, you know, that causes pain. It's not for me to judge anybody who feels that, and I would feel it too. Uh, the Upanishad is basically, basically saying that, um, you know, all these things were temporary anyway, and... You're already a part of all that you think you have lost, and you always will be. Let's go forward a little bit here. Look for some other lines that pop out. The self is everywhere. Bright as he, bodiless, without scar of imperfection, without bone, without flesh, pure, untouched by evil, the seer, the thinker, the one who is above all the self-existent, he it is that has established perfect order among objects and brings from beginningless time. And beings from beginningless time. So, this is another doubling down of, you know, don't attach yourself to the flesh. 
And, you know, at some point you may ask, like, okay, we get it. Oneness, the soul, Brahman is behind everything. Why name all these things? So, really, this is something I had to realize over time. Um, it's not necessarily like uh, the the mystery being that Brahman isn't behind something. It's how Brahman is behind something. Because there is there are layers of illusion and delusion. There's a landscape. Some things are more illusion than others. Some things have less illusion. So we have a topographical map where some things are actually closer to that oneness and some things have more maya. So really it's the relativity to oneness, to Brahman, not necessarily that there's something else besides Brahman behind something. And once you know the topographical map of relativity, then um, it's easier for you to, to really see the things that should be valued in this world, the things that are closer to oneness. The seer, the thinker, the one, capital O in that one, who is above all, the self-existent. He, did, he it is that has established perfect order among objects, beings from beginningless time. So when it says he, this pops up a lot in Religious, spiritual texts, even ones... Okay, so some do mean, like, this is obviously a male personage. This is a, a author, uh, the authority of a male. But some just say he because it sounds too impersonal. Sometimes it... it, it, it sometimes that word, even in other languages, just is too impersonal. So we have to give it, like, a... We have to give it some... Have to give it a title of... A sex, so that it, uh, sex, whether it be uh, male or female, um, to allow us to envision it a little bit better, to get closer to it. I usually think of God as an it and the source, but most people, like when you say God is an it, it's not something that they can really, they can really, um, you know, feel. I mean, they might understand it, it's just hard for them to feel it. So, um, let's continue. To darkness are they doomed who devote themselves only to life in the world. Okay, so, to darkness are they doomed who devote themselves. So, if everything is one and everything eventually returns back to the source, to oneness, to Brahman. It says, to darkness are they doomed. So, how can that, how can that be true? Are they in darkness forever? Is there something else besides Brahman, but besides soul? Uh, so, there's two things here. One, language, as far as Sanskrit to English, is difficult. Two, it doesn't say doomed forever, but it does say doomed, which means it can mean one of two things. That, okay, the, do, the dooming is, is, is uh, temporary, and also that the ego is doomed, which means it'll dissipate into that darkness that it allied with. Okay, let's go for I was going <laughs> to, I said that this was going to be a shorter episode, so uh, let's, uh, let's wash over a couple more points. Worship of the body alone leads to one result. Worship of the spirit leads to another. So worship of the body leads to more maya, leads to, you know, a longer road back to Brahman, to ultimate the ultimate experience and reality of Brahman that is the source, in my opinion. Uh, we we want to travel that path faster. Um, you know, there there is something to be said for to people that say, well, I want to enjoy creation for... A longer time. Can't it just take a little longer? And 
that's there are people who do that that are not bad people. So there's those people who just want to enjoy everything for a longer time in which, you know, honestly, that can that can be a soul's journey to just be here for longer, not necessarily to do bad things. And uh, they'll experience many lifetimes and many different forms of life. And then there's the other ones, the the ones that it takes longer to get back to a complete experience of Brahman, the source, the soul, that it takes longer because they cannot get over wanting to own, wanting to attach themselves to materiality, to power, to self obsession, small self, not big self. So small s, not big self, not big s. There's two ways that you last a whole long time in all these uh, days and nights of Brahman or Brahma in this case, actually. Well, my reference anyway. Uh, Brahma is different than Brahman. Brahma is the, the creator. And uh, I usually think of one big bang and then, a retra- you know, you have one big bang and then a retraction into, uh, you know, the size of something like a pea, let's say. And the, the expansion is the day of Brahma. And then once everything comes back in into that pea shape, it's a night of Brahma. And then, of course, you have much grander cycles, even though those cycles are in billions of years. But anyway, I'm getting off topic. Um, those who, wherever you get to, as far as your relation to Brahman, to soul, to the source, it's always saved, even if the cycle ends. And then when a new cycle begins, you kind of start off where you were. Uh, so there are people who who travel into darkness, and then it takes them longer to get back, basically. I'm not even going to touch, well, this one is hard. The face of truth is hidden by the golden orb. O sun, thou do, that do thou remove in order that I, who am devoted to truth, may behold its glory. Okay, so, so, we're talking about, the, the face of truth is hidden by thy golden orb, O sun. That do thou remove in order that I, who am devoted to truth, may behold its glory. So, the glory of the sun is really in the vibration and not the light. That's the only way I can interpret that. That it's not about the orb itself, and a lot of people think that it is, though. It, and it does provide life, and we need light. And we need, uh, everything needs the sun on this earth. Um, but I think it's just trying to say there, there's, there's something deeper. Let me see what is deeper. What is the soul of the sun, in essence? Brahman is very close, just behind the sun, perhaps. That's just my interpretation. Okay, let's go to one last sentence here. Let's see what pops out. This is the last one, actually. Uh, last, uh, last stanza. Oh God, uh, oh God, Agni, lead us to felicity. Thou knowest all our deeds. Preserve us from deceitful attraction of sin. To thee we offer our salutations again and yet again. So this is a recognition of, of, a, um, of a, a loyalty to Agni. So what, Agni represents the inner fire. Connected to a digestion, of course, sure. But really also the, um, the fire of the earth's spirit within us. How it, it needs to be fed for that, for that spirit energy to exist within us. And the soul, the ego, and the spirit are different to me. But in order to hear my words on that, you'd have to go another episode. But so Agni, the, uh, the spirit that the earth has given us, requires fuel, which also comes from the earth. Uh, so 
lead us to felicity, which means we're in brotherhood with the spirit. Uh, we don't uh, we don't do foul against that spirit, that life force we got from the earth. Thou knowest all our deeds. It knows everything that we do, everything that we digest physically and mentally. Preserve us from the deceitful attraction of sin. That's pretty. That's pretty obvious. Um, don't let us go into. Don't let us go into acts that'll. That'll solely our our. Our greatest uh, our greatest um, connection to Brahman. To thee we offer our salutations again and yet again. So basically saying, you know, hello and, you know, you're, you are our friend. Thank you very much, uh, God of spirit, God of life force. And you are, you are our aid. So the Isha Upanishad is, is pretty short. There's other Upanishads in this. And honestly, the Upanishads, I love them. I love reading them. I love interpreting them. And I didn't get these interpretations from anybody else. Once again, I'm using my own insight. So, if, you know, just like with the Bible, if that, infi- if that offends anybody, then uh, this, <laughs> this uh, podcast might not be for you. But I will say that it's not just me by myself. I've, I have studied Hinduism and various texts in Hinduism for a long time. Paramahansa Yogananda and Kriya and his, his disciple Swami Kriyananda, a lot of their works really inspire me. And then when I have this kind of basis and also studying also true the Nordic Pantheon, um, Christianity, the more you learn, the more texts you study, uh, insight becomes easier because you're tuning yourself. You're tuning yourself to be able to understand like like those that you read or listen to have understood. Knowledge is like that. So, to anybody who feels like they really want to start interpreting things for themselves, as far as I'm concerned, though I'm no authority, don't be afraid to. Don't feel like you have to just listen to somebody else if you feel like there's a different meaning to what you're trying to understand. And really, that's that's all I got to say on that. But uh, yeah, so this has been uh, this has been the, the the Upanishad for today, the Isha one. And I hope all of y'all uh, enjoyed this. Feel free to contact me on Facebook if you have any questions, comments, concerns at www.facebook.com/hunter.salazar. At any rate, thank you very much for listening, and all of you have a wonderful day.